0: Welcome to another spectacular episode of the Pirate Monk Podcast. Cannons, fireworks, <laughs> coming to you after somewhat of an extended absence uh, on our random production schedule. Here from the Flyby West Studios in beautiful bucolic, uh, pastoral, Nolan Wood. Pen- uh, t- oh, I want to
1: <laughs> Tennessee saying bucolic. Would
0: huh? educate me Can you on this bucolic? bucolic. Bucolic? Yes, bucolic is, uh, uh, it is. It's like it's farms and uh, fuzziness. It sounds some, like something you take medicine for. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> farms and fuzziness. Why do I think that is totally not a Webster's definition yes. of bucolic?
0: Of bucolic, <laughs> if, yes.
1: If I look it up and it says farms and fuzziness, rural. I'm going to be so impressed.
0: Yes. So bu- it's bucolic. It's, it's rural in just the most beautiful sense, bucolic.
2: Siri, define word. bucolic.
0: Okay, here, here we go. We'll see okay, what we're
1: googling right now.
0: Let's see. We'll see what Siri Wait, no, says.
2: We're still talking, so it keeps reading us. Uh, screw it, technology.
1: Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, look at that. Failed. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. So, uh, how have things been going in the last week since we talked last? Yeah. Sh- should ago? we should
0: we clue into the listeners the fact that we're actually recording? Two pieces of a podcast on a single day, a, a single session behind the curtain. That's right.
2: Sorry to uh, you know expose our secrets. Yeah,
0: yeah. we've got I, a I we've like... got a great interview. But, to... if
2: that, if, but if we can't expose our secrets, what the hell is the Samson Society Before, about?
0: That's yeah. exactly
2: okay.
1: <laughs> that's that's gonna blow my next line. I know. Last week I came in tired and a little down, but I'm feeling <laughs> a lot better this week things have really turned around for me <laughs> <laughs> so glad to be here
0: well that's because you got to listen to the last episode of the of the podcast man it's a life changer so what has changed for you aaron since the last podcast
1: <laughs> uh well I'm, I'm leaning back in my chair instead of leaning forward <laughs> okay that's Pretty much the only change that's happened okay I, I don't know you were you were asking questions. were those actual questions you wanted to ask? I didn't find your questions interesting.
0: well, I really i but I am very interested in finding out about your sidelight career. You got all these kids to support. you got to make <laughs> money any way you can, and so you've stooped to playing in wine bars and pubs out there in the Central coast of California. With a tip bucket and all that kind of stuff. I want to know how that's going.
1: Yeah. Uh, uh, the, I, it, it's great. I love doing it. Uh, I stopped playing with my band, I don't know, was it two years ago? Because mm-hmm. band stuff just doesn't pay. Right. Uh, you get paid to sit there by yourself, maybe with one other person, and uh, play mostly covers for three hours. That's right. what places want and i really didn't think that sounded fun but i think once you you know get this list of like here's 150 or 200 songs that you really start to make your own that are stuff from your childhood or stuff you discovered later right it is it is really fun and then on the nights you know there are certain locations i play at that i just know it's got regulars they're gonna get into it they're gonna end up singing along uh, you're going to meet that uh, roving arms dealer that just wants to <laughs> chat a lot from London, <laughs> and chat about Muslims in London, you know, and that's going to be an interesting conversation. Yeah. Uh, and and a, a big tipper. And you always want to take a tip from a roving arms dealer yeah. from London. Yeah, I would say uh, I think
2: If we've learned most of nothing in this titch. podcast...
1: Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah now do you most, most of his tips revolved around where to put your bunker but you know it's not financially as lucrative <laughs> as others anyways yes
0: now exactly. do you take do you take requests when you play
1: <laughs> that, that is honestly one of the worst parts of the deal because uh, i think i've become sort of known for playing the b-sides okay uh stuff that people don't expect because when you go to places, it's usually a guitar guy playing Wagon Wheel. Like, that's that's <laughs> yeah. what you're going to get stuck with. So two-thirds of the time, I'm playing the piano, and I want to pull out some 1970s Tom Waits or throw in some Frank Sinatra with some Pogues uh, you know, whiskey songs, streams of whiskey or something like that. Just a weird mashup of stuff. So I honestly just don't even know most of the songs people request. Um, I was telling you guys it wasn't too long ago that a guy who had been drinking way too much came up. He put $2, didn't even put it in the tip jar. He set it on my mixer, and he's like, Hey, play me some Alan Jackson. Now, if I have ever in my life heard an Alan Jackson song, <laughs> I don't know it. Uh, so I said, a guy I'm No, you're I'm not sorry. from Nashville,
0: I can tell you that. Yeah.
1: <laughs> like, I said I I got some I got some old Johnny Cash, I got some, you know, I've got some Americana stuff I can do you for, but uh I can't even fake an Alan Jackson song cuz I've never heard one. But he didn't understand in his alcohol uh fogged mind the concept of I don't know any I don't even know enough to fake it. So then he off he takes out his wallet and thinks if he offers me more money right, I yeah. can do it. Yeah. Which you know, frankly that's a perfectly acceptable scam for a lounge singer <laughs>
2: but, but you know I Alan still Jackson know. for $3. <laughs> yeah.
1: So then when I said no, I really do I really don't know any, he went from offering me more money to threatening to take back the $2 he put on my mixer. Yeah. At which point, I just said, "Man, take your two bucks and just leave. You're so, annoying me."
2: But was this all during your set? This wasn't like in between sets. Yeah, I'm
1: still, I'm no, I'm still like playing background music while we're having this little chat <laughs> <laughs> in this brewery. Uh, which, which that does happen if you get if you get the intoxicated person, they'll just come up right in the middle of a song or something and just start talking, yeah. uh, giving you advice uh, telling you what tempos to play. And, you know, that's just that, that happens. And that's not particularly enjoyable. So you're, you're kind of like the comedian that has to know how to deal with hecklers because it's going to happen. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's why I've enjoyed this job so much is when you get someone at the bar that's trying to get his girlfriend to go up and sing with you, what are you going to do? How are you going to make this enjoyable for the other 60 people, uh, having dinner? And that's just fun. It's, it's fun in an improv way and i always love doing improv and acting stuff in college so the best of both worlds aaron porter, music and piano. chaos wow what was that
2: aaron porter piano man <laughs>
0: well you have my admiration hey, that, for that's doing always
1: it. my closer nice what's that, <laughs> what's oh, that oh, do you
0: actually close with piano man
1: I'll always yeah. they they sing along and tip best to that song nice. if I see the crowds leaving early then I'll just jump into that as soon as possible because I'm watching dollars go out the door <laughs> yeah right wow
2: for that more, more pro gigging tips email Aaron Porter at <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. alright well I propose that we dig into the mailbag. we'll do that as soon as we come back here on the Pirate Monk Podcast
1: Yo-ho, yo-ho, a pirate's life for me We pillage, we plunder, we rival us Drink up, me hearties, yo-ho We kidnap and drive and Don't give a ho Drink up, me hearties, yo-ho Yo-ho, yo-ho, a pirate's life for
0: me We're back on the Pirate Monk Podcast What do you say, fellas? Let's look and see what came for us in the Gmail Mailbag, mailbag Mailbag, okay, here we, we go need We need mailbag music We do I have requested just, it on multiple uh, occasions. I've dropped very heavy hints. Still no <laughs> mail music. All right, here. This letter says, Hey, guys, my name's Adam. I've been a fan and a follower of the show for several years now. I even attended meetings briefly back in 2012 and 2013. I'm writing, I guess, as a form of therapy, but mostly to get some encouragement and prayer. I try to keep my letter brief, but no promises. You guys could probably use the practice reading anyway. Uh, I grew up in the church, but didn't really understand what it meant to be part of the body of Christ until recently. Still learning, actually. I've been in the Army since 2001. I'm 30 years old, but I've probably been addicted to porn since I was 10 or 11. I thought I had a good handle on my addiction back when I got married to my beautiful wife in 2008. But I've unfortunately had quite a few flare-ups recently. To fill you in, I was able to maintain my virginity until roughly around 2007-2008 when I met my future wife. I made the decision to sleep around shortly before I met her. After meeting, we decided to see one another exclusively. I agreed, but I was with three other girls and never told her about it until we decided to get married. I couldn't deal with the guilt my wife ended up ha- uh, and I ended up having premarital sex, which added to my guilt, but uh, quelled my need for pornography. Over the years, I've had quite a few instances where I fall into temptation and end up looking and acting on porn. My wife has forgiven me without missing a beat each time. I'm currently deployed in a country where we're able to go out and interact with women on a daily basis. I'm usually tempted and catch myself looking twice all the time. I've been deployed before, but never like this. I've never been deployed to a country with attractive women before. Porn's always been available, but I haven't had the desire to look at it on previous deployments. My wife would send me pictures. This deployment, we've both felt the conviction that we should abstain from masturbating so we can be together in the way God intended. Anyway, I've stumbled big time recently, looking at porn on multiple occasions, knowing that she and God would forgive me. I know my sin is more than porn, because just the idea of something new can usually trigger me. I'm probably going into too much detail, but I know what I've done is wrong. I'm having a hard time feeling truly repentant. I, I want this gone, but not really. Part of me is angry at my wife and God for not being there for me. I've tried to talk to her and a friend here and there. It's usually met with, I'll pray for you, or you should pray about that, or try harder to quit, something along those lines. I feel completely alone sometimes, but I know God loves me. I know this sin added to his suffering on the cross, but I have a hard time remembering that in the moment. I've recently lost all appetite to read the word or study scripture and pray. I feel worn out. So does my wife. I forgot to mention we had our first son two weeks before I deployed. She's home by herself raising our son while her husband is deployed and being consistently unfaithful. It seems right as I get, It seems that right as I gain some steam and confidence, there's something ridiculous that pops out of nowhere that catches me in lust and sin. I feel completely alone and trapped in this sin. I'm not sure what else to do. You guys, tell me. People lose focus after a page.
2: Yeah, my first thought... um. He he says something about, you know, while he's deployed, they weren't he and his wife agreed to, I guess not masturbate or something. Yeah. To honor, I guess God's intention. Man, I just I want him to give himself a break. Mm-hmm. God didn't intend for you to be halfway across the world necessarily away from your wife when you've got a two week, or a a baby at home.
1: Yeah. Like, well, act, uh, actually, scripture deals with that as far as the children of Israel and not deploying, not this isn't his situation, but not sending a man into military service away from his home right after he gets married, that there is a period of what was a year, I think, that yeah. he has to be at home. So, I mean, this was on God's mind, ironically. Yeah. What's going to happen when you separate? So go ahead and explain more. Give yourself a break because that could be. Go ahead and look at porn and.
2: No, and I don't. I mean, I don't mean that. But like, I I hear a guy that. Uh, what I hear is a guy that's defeated, mm-hmm. a guy that's lonely, like like I, it makes me emotional just thinking about it, and I get all of that. Yeah. And so, like, I just kind of want to tell him, like, it's okay. Yeah. And not that it's okay to look at porn. Yeah. But it's okay to be lonely. It's okay to Mm -hmm. mess up, because there's a bunch of stuff in your life going on right now that you don't have a lot of control over. Yeah. And don't think that God doesn't love you. Don't think that other guys don't love you.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Don't
2: think your wife doesn't love you.
0: Yeah.
3: Like
2: just, just hear that. What What I heard. Accept uh, that.
3: What came through to me loud and clear was just one thing he said that he used to be in fellowship. Uh, in 2012 and 2013, yeah, and, and I don't know what his situation is, you know, in being deployed. Uh, God is everywhere. I know that yeah. he 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 says he's alone. He needs some other men, and, yeah, and I don't mean to sure. sound simplistic or formulaic, but he does. He needs yeah. the fellowship of other men. Ideally, other men who who have the same struggles. Yeah, yeah.
1: I I've worked with uh, a lot of soldiers talking about this, and I. I imagine right now he's surrounded by guys that are also feeling isolated. Mm -hmm. Sexual struggles are huge during deployment because of access, um, whether it's pornography or actually going out in the town. And uh, that's that's always been a struggle for soldiers as far as slipping up and making choices that are hard on their own hearts. So I, I think there is a community around him, but... Somebody has to make that first move and take the risk of being vulnerable and discovering that, okay, there are some other Christians We just need to encourage each other. And uh, it's not – it might be simplistic, but it sure isn't easy. That's a really hard and important step. And what I hear when he's writing is he sounds a lot like David who talks about his bones waxing away within him because of his sin. I mean that is what sin feels like to me uh it's just the inner i don't have any desire for anything uh, i don't want to be with god i don't want to be with anybody the isolation pull that happens and the first step out is to reach out to the men around you
3: yeah I, I also wonder how forthright he is he's being with his wife uh in in revealing to her just what his struggles are uh not necessarily not necessarily the graphic details but just how he's feeling, yeah. and and you know, t- giving her the thirty thousand foot view of of their relationship and their marriage, yeah. and what you know, uh, pornography addiction, you know, acting out, it's a symptom of other things, yeah. and, and that's something we can forget. I, I like what Newton said, you know, you can be too hard on yourself because you're looking at the head of the pimple. Instead of what's beneath the surface, and yeah. it's what's what's beneath the surface. That's what comes out one in fellowship with other men, but two, in that in that real emotional intimacy with a wife.
0: Yeah, honey, yeah.
3: this is how I'm feeling. This is what I'm struggling with, uh, and, and I'm I'm being tempted. I got porn all around me. And I understand the army. I think actually supplies porn. I, I've heard that. I hope it's not true. But you know, it, um, he's honest here, but is yeah. he honest with her? Yeah.
2: Well, yeah. and I mean, I know that for me, you know, it's it's. I think for a lot of Samson guys, but for me, you know, being emotionally intimate with another man yeah. and being able to share that with another man and I don't know, I'm not an army guy, I don't know, I'm not a military guy, I don't know what that's like. Yeah. You know, I know that there is a brotherhood and a connection, but I don't know how deep it goes with life stuff, things like that. Yeah. But, I mean, that seems like, mm. I mean, to, to I guess to Aaron's point, like, kind of part of the a start of a solution is to not be emotionally alone. Yeah. Right. You know,
0: if I can make, and I hate just to give prescriptive solutions here. I, I, I want to resonate with what you guys have said. I feel uh, this guy's loneliness. I've been down that shame road too. I do know that the shame ro- the shame spiral leads only downward and I can never hate myself or hate my sin enough to stop. Yeah. And so while it may feel good for a moment to, pun- to, to punish myself for my own sin and kind of a sideways attempt to be my own savior, that really doesn't go any anyplace. Uh, the way out is by uh, finding God with skin on, to steal a phrase from Ken. Um, and from what little I know of um, army life, Uh, I've had some good interaction with the chaplain corps. Hmm. And, uh, what I found in uh, one of the ways that I could find brothers here in Franklin was first to talk to pastors Mm -hmm. and tell them frankly where I was and say, if you run into another guy who you think, uh, I can help, please give him my phone number. That led to an awful lot of contacts and connected me with brothers. Um, Mm -hmm. So I one suggestion that I'd give to, to to our brother here is to go see the chaplain, uh, book an appointment, sit down in private conversation, say, "Here's where I am." Uh, if you know of uh, any other guy in the same struggle in the same situation, please put us together. Uh, but, and uh, I love there have been Samson groups that have popped up. We heard about them early on. Uh, there were Samson groups in Afghanistan. There was a Samson hmm. group in Iraq. As long as guys were deployed together, Christians found each other. Somebody had a copy of a book. Yeah. Um, the group ended when the deployment
1: yeah. ended. But. but that that could be a good suggestion uh, for this this man because it will give some structure to open the conversation. So it's not just, okay, I found someone who's maybe a Christian. Hey, I want to talk about porn. Uh But to say, I want to start this group, here's the basic format, and uh, if there's a way to get him an e-book or something, that would be great. I always liked when people had read the book first before they came to a meeting. I mean, that was a requirement for our pastors because I didn't want to have to explain the whole thing when the book explained it better.
2: Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think that's one of the great things about Samson meetings is that we're not addiction-specific. Right. I can learn just as much from an alcoholic as I can a porn addict, as I can from a workaholic or, or whatever. Yeah. So maybe that there are guys that enjoy different flavors of right. the same thing right. that can come together over their brokenness, not so much over how it comes out.
3: Yeah. I, I'm stunned, Nate, that you know I'm in Louisville, Kentucky, and uh, somehow, some way, guys out in the state of Kentucky in rural areas, will hundreds of miles away, will find out about our fellowship. And what can I do? And that's exactly what we do with them. I send them a, some books and say, go to your pastor yeah. and ask him, okay, surely you're talking to somebody else who's having the same struggle I'm having. Put me together with him. Right. Not with the pastor. Right. Those two guys. And, and yep. it's see what happens from there. And you know God just takes over from there.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, do you have another letter in there, Nate?
0: Uh, Yes, I do. If uh, you would like us to delve deeper into the mailbag, we can do so. Let me see.
1: Yes. I think time-wise, that's about going to fit.
0: Okay. All right. Here we go. Uh, uh, This letter comes to us from uh, Carlson. Hi and (laughs) he says. (laughs) (laughs) Just uh, finished listening for the second time to podcast number 157. Anybody know offhand what 157 is last last week? For the past 60-plus days, I've not failed to make time every day to meditate. I'm still feeling my way into this new habit and learning what works for me. I've used some pretty cool tech tools to hack my life. What I've noticed is that I'm not jumping in and overreacting as I have so much in my life. I can find a gap during which I can choose how to react. I'm not just running in knee-jerk mode. I'm also gaining the ability to step outside of myself and my ego, just enough to see my craziness. Sometimes I can choose not to let it sweep me away. To my sorrow, though, I'm not feeling much hope for my marriage these days. I will, however, wait on God and try to apply all my newfound learnings to listening in this area, too, and to examining my actions. Thanks for the great podcasts and for the encouraging interviews and information. Thanks for that letter.
2: Yeah, he must be talking about the episode where we talked about meditation a little bit. Yeah, yeah. That's what it
1: sounds like. Sounds like. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I really like. I, I like his statement that in any situation he finds the spot. I don't, yeah. don't know, I remember how he phrased it exactly, like the but gap. that spot yeah, where he the gap, can, yeah yeah where where he can make a choice. Uh what what a great way to say that that there's always that spot we just usually run right over the top of it rough shot into stupid. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> I think that was a blurt right there. I could have stopped and considered what you said and made a life-altering choice. <laughs> yeah. I heard, heard something but I was you know. about NASCAR.
3: Yeah, yeah. I heard something in a in a uh, Bible lesson the other day that uh the disciples he only asked Jesus about one thing. They they asked him about prayer. Yeah. That's that's the one thing that escaped them obviously. I yeah, mean they were yeah. they were out laying hands on people and getting miracles or whatever. And I think prayer is such a struggle for us, and it's—I mean—it's not a cliche, but prayer is also listening. And I equate meditation with right. just simply being quiet before the Lord. If He says something to me, fine. If I yeah. get an impression to do something, fine. But if I don't, that's okay too. Yeah. Just to be be still before the Lord, is what I think David wrote. And and one of the things about that is the the Greek uh, Greek meaning of that or Hebrew meaning of that word still is be still like like how a doctor wants you to be when he goes to examine you. T- hold still yeah, yeah, while yeah. I examine you. Yeah. There's a beautiful parallel to how God wants to deal with us. Let, let me let me take care of you here. Let, yeah. let me probe you and fix you a little bit. Yeah. Just be still while, while wow. I do it.
0: Hey, if you're listening and you wonder, who's that guy? Uh, it's an <laughs> unfamiliar voice. That's Ken Snyder. And if you'd have listened to the previous episode of the podcast, you'd have heard our interview with Ken about his new book, Uh, Crossroad. Uh, Ken, there's something that uh, our friend in this letter wrote that uh, made me think about your story and I wonder whether maybe you want to comment about it. You know, he's learning so much. Uh, He's very, obviously very excited about new insights that he's gaining. Life is brightening for him. But then he says, to my sorrow, I'm not feeling much hope for my marriage these days. Uh, I know a lot of guys get into recovery uh, to save their marriage. There are some guys who think if I get into recovery, uh, that's a guarantee that my marriage is going to survive. Uh, but talk to that point a little bit for us. I,
3: the whole, I think recovery is, it is not about saving your marriage. It's about finding Jesus. Yeah. I, I really do. And I think, you know, uh you can find him and still see things fall by the wayside you yeah. know in my own personal story i had 11 years of recovery and my wife left me yeah uh and addiction was not a part of her departure yeah at all uh but i still have jesus yeah and that will carry you through anything mm.
0: uh
3: and, and addiction to me and it, this is overly simplistic it's just an idol before god yeah but it, it is before God. If we remove that idol, then He's right there, yeah, and He's faithful.
0: Yeah, yeah, beautiful, beautiful. All right. Well, uh, next up is an interview uh, that we recorded uh, last week with Kirk Graves, and he's going to talk about the brotherhood uh, that he and his guys uh, have experienced down in uh, over in Charlotte, North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Some of the things that they've learned going to pass along we are crowdsourcing wisdom here aren't we <laughs> when it comes to brotherhood uh it's such an enjoyable conversation with kurt you're going to want to hang on and listen to this we'll be back with kurt graves in a moment here on the pirate Monk podcast podcast, the privilege to have with us today, uh, live uh, via Skype, from uh, beautiful Charlotte, North Carolina, Kurt Graves. Uh, uh, Kurt, thanks for joining us. My pleasure. Hey, hey. Uh, Now, Kurt, you and I met, gosh, it's almost a year ago now, I guess. Yeah. At the beautiful Montreat uh, Conference Center in the hills there in North Carolina, Mm -hmm. Uh you belong to a terrific church in Charlotte, uh, Warehouse 242. How long have you been going there?
4: Um, Since it was started with the uh, the 11 mythical people in a basement probably 15, 18 years ago. Wow, wow.
0: So you've seen a lot of evolution in the church over those those years?
4: Yeah, we started as a Sunday school class that became a church within a church, which ultimately was planted out as a Sabbath. Church, So yeah, we've, and we started specifically as a generational plant because we knew, um, where the church we're at, Forest Hill here in Charlotte, that what we were doing wasn't really reaching the generation we wanted to hit. So we started it from the very beginning as a sort of a generational plant.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I met you because you all had invited me to come, uh, to be the speaker at your, at your men's retreat that you, that you did that fall up there at Montreat, Mm -hmm. uh, really i recall it as a very impressive uh, group of guys really
4: that's scary you're, you're <laughs> very, easily, very easily impressed or you're incredibly naive i'm not sure if it's one <laughs> um
0: can you tell were you part of the planning for that retreat
4: no 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 I'm not. that's something i stay out of at oh. all, costs. <laughs> yeah. all right no, I, so, so here's the thing seriously that's one of my boundaries so um have a lot of other rules at warehouse, but that's not going to, that doesn't need to be one of them. Uh-huh.
0: Uh-huh. I
4: see. I I prefer to go to the men's retreat and and be a retreater. Ah, I see. I see.
0: Is that because uh, the work you do uh, to pay the bills, uh, would put you in somewhat the same role?
4: Is that why? Um, it, it's some of that. Yeah. So I, 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 as a, I'm a, I'm a coach and a, and a business consultant with a company called Vistage, but, um, over and beyond that i've also served as a um have served as an interim pastor twice and an elder uh-huh. and you know i just um when the retreat comes around i i'm happy to serve as a group leader or something like that but I, there's plenty of other folks that that can do that better and i i just frankly want to go and you know just be a retreater. like i said i just need that rest
0: Boy, I love that. I love to hear that. I love to hear a man who doesn't have to be in charge, who can recognize the gifts of others. And, uh, yeah, and uh, I don't know if you sense it. I sometimes sense that it's my obligation to keep my mouth shut. Otherwise, the focus
4: will shift to me. Obviously, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm, yeah. Yeah. I'm a performer, so that's, that's, a, that's a big issue.
0: Oh, I don't know anything about that. <laughs> Nothing at all. <laughs> um, yeah, I remember a lot of young guys in the room. Yeah. Uh, although it wasn 't exclusively young guys, but a lot of young guys in the room um, and i as I recall of course, this is not uncommon. those men really did resonate with um, you know the call to greater authenticity uh, a, a, yeah. a, a deeper relational connection, more honesty and out of that uh, from what I heard. Uh, one of the things I, uh, ride, I try to – a point I like to make when I go out to speak is that I'm not there to sell Samson. I probably said this when I was there. I'm there to encourage brotherhood, whatever form is going to be most native to that group of
4: guys. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so Warehouse has um, – I think it, for us as a value. It's a aspirational value to be authentic, but I think we are. And by that I just mean I think we're people who know our limb. Yeah, we've had some pretty substantial brokenness, like all communities do and individuals do. And struggle has been to how do you hug your kryptonite instead of running from it? Yeah, that's a in a real way. That's what being authentic is. So our guys are well, well aware of the concept, but like everybody uh, struggles, we struggle with authenticity. So I think that when you came. um, It was really welcome because some of us were just wanting to be not real in a phony kind of way, but somehow uh, go deep without a lot of parameters around how that was going to happen. And I remember your opening exercise was more or less uh go to your groups and everybody's going to talk. Yeah. And everybody's done talking, you're done talking <laughs> and uh, nobody's going to talk other than the person that's talking. And so, um, yeah. So listening feels so good. Most people mistake it for being loved. Yeah. And I think it would happen from the opening moments in that uh, that time up there was that people got heard and, and safely so. So it became authentic. It was a, it was a for a lot of us it was a it was a aha moment I would say for how well, maybe some things we could do differently in our groups and with our relationships.
0: Well, uh, thank you. Uh, what I'm uh, curious about now is to hear from you how that's kind of played out in uh, these months since the retreat. Mm -hmm. uh, what have you guys done there? Uh, what do you, where's it going as you move intentionally toward greater authenticity?
4: Yeah. So, so a little, some of this is mixed up with my own story. So you have to figure out, you know, where Kurt ends and the story begins, but, um, but for sure I've been around in churches for a long time and,
0: Uh-oh. Oh, you froze on us. Oh, shoot. Uh, I've been around churches for a long time. Okay. Oh, I lost day. you there. Okay. there. okay. So, for sure,
4: I've been around churches, you know, of all my adult life. And there's a lot more emphasis on orthodoxy than orthopraxy. Mm-hmm. And uh, we had certainly uh, men's groups that focused on, you know, what do you know and less on what, you know, what's real. And so, um, it's been a bit, it's been a progress. We had done a men's meetups, men's meetups around, uh, reading, actually we read the book of numbers together, believe that or not. Um, <laughs> it was perfect because yeah. the re- the real, real tile, I guess, is into the wilderness. How yeah. awesome is that? So we use those read, we used that read guys would read and we'd come back and we'd have conversations about going into the wilderness with each other. And that worked for a while, but then it seemed like it sort of naturally petered out. So when we came back to the, um, And we came back in in September when we were together with you. um, We got another kind of fresh set of ideas, I think, which was that it needed to be more like Fight Club, which is you know, the first night you're at Fight Club, you need to fight. So if you if you come to Men's Meetup, you need to talk. Um, And so we, um, so (laughs) that's been one of the big things. Yeah, I love that. I like that. I like that. So can I share one thing that, like, an example of that? Okay, so. I think this is so awesome. So we play this game called rookie roulette, you know, cause you can go to a small group and most small groups and just kind of hide on the corners. Right. Yeah. So we play a game called rookie roulette. And the deal is the first night you come to meet up, you got to talk. So after we go, we go around and everybody at the table gives a couple minute update on what was significant for them, the most significant for them that week. And as soon as we finish that, the rookie has to answer any question that someone who considers himself a member of the group wants to ask them. Oh, and the, the reason we do that is um, we want to be better question askers. Like what people want is they want their, what people need is their um, answers questioned. So we need to be great question askers. That's something that we need to become sharp at. So the idea is uh, we're going to ask you quest- questions one at a time. They're going to be seven word questions. Because we know that you're gonna you're gonna answer your answer is gonna be five times longer than our question. So if we ask you a really good seven word question, you're gonna give us a pretty good thirty five word answer. Okay. And then we're gonna turn it around, and the member is going to answer the question as well. So they're gonna model then for you the the kind of vulnerability. Wow. That's sweet.
1: That's and and
4: and then if we screw up and we ask you a, a. you know, I, don't, I usually use a, a word that starts with S on this, but a lousy 21-word uh, yeah. question, we know you're going to give us a lousy 140-word you know, word answer. And, right. and that just doesn't help anybody. So that's how you start your first time. And so the first question might be, um, like I, we had one night a guy came and he got asked, uh, he was there, as, as, uh, actually a, he was there in a group his first night, and someone asked him, you know, so how did you waste your time yesterday that you don't want to tell anybody about? Oh, I love it. Great question, right? Yeah. And so he got kind of a fluffy answer, and then the member answered it and went, you know,
0: Yeah.
4: Like, well, you know, I use my computer in some ways that I'm just not really proud of. Okay. Second question was, you know, so, you know, where was shame? Where did you feel shame today? Um, Yeah. And the third question was actually, you know, what is it? I think it was a a father-in-law that was there, and he got asked, what was it that scared him to death about his son-in-law? Yeah. That's a tough question, right? And so those answers then, uh, you know, you you, so I think that that, that's, we're a little bit different. We'll say, you know, most churches would say, you know, hey, come to a small group. It's for everybody. And we're like, no, we're we're pretty sure we're not. We're an acquired taste. So if you come, we're going to know inside the first 15, you're going to know if you want to be with us after 15 minutes. And we're going to know if we want to be with you.
0: Yeah, right. Mm.
4: Yeah. And we haven't had anybody say no once they come. They're like hooked. Yeah, sure.
1: It's refreshing.
4: It's what we it's want. True. It is, and um, so I, I, I think one of the other things we've learned is it is this is this is just you know this is just at the heart of people, and so it's not it's not generational. Um, you know, our the oldest member of our group is in his sixties, and our, our youngest is in his twenties, and we have uh, guys uh, racially we're, we're 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 very diverse as well so there's there's something universal there, right? everybody mm. wants to go to the fight club and get hit in the head real yeah. hard, but they'd like to hit somebody else too. that would be fun <laughs> <laughs> Wow
0: now, have you tried anything in your groups that didn't work?
4: Hmm. Um, yeah man, yeah, a lot lots of stuff um so um prescripting prescriptive mm mm-hmm. hmm so we. This is really hard, but we really drive for people to resist the urge to give solutions to other people in the group. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that's just it, it's human, and also to resist the urge to become comparative in terms of thinking. Mm-hmm. So I think that we're, you know, if you if I say black, you think white. White, right? If yeah. I say good, you think bad. Bad, right? So, but a lot of life requires fusion. Mm -hmm. And so, um, and finding other alternatives. So we try to stay away from those kinds of, that kind of thinking, at least initially, I'd say another thing that we try to stay away from is very surprising since we're really focused on questions is we try to not ask the question why, like why, you know, yes. So why is a shaming question? And and I guess neuroscientists know, know better than us. They think that we really that's down in, deep inside our limbic brain, where you can't really answer very well, anyway. So uh, I, I use this example: if if my if Kathy, my Kathy's my wife, if she comes home and she says, "So, so," and this is not that this has ever happened, so um, <laughs> she, she she goes to make cho- she goes to make cookies. You know, there's no chocolate chips, right? Uh, because I ate them all, and of course, I ate them all in secret. Um, and you know, I, I, there's just like an eighth of the package left up there. Yeah. And so, you know, she goes and she's like, Hey, I want to make chocolate chips. You know, why did you eat all the chocolate chips? Yeah. Well, and there's no answer for that. I right. did it because I like chocolate chips and I don't want to, you know, I don't want to be my mom. Right. So, um, so the same thing happens in our group. Uh, why is is until very late in the discussion is we hold off from that very and, and so why early on? When people were asking why early on, I would say it was a problem in the group. Right. It, it, level, it lowers, the, it actually takes away from the intimacy, creates shame. Yes. Um, does that makes sense?
1: Absolutely. Oh, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. But
0: that's where our therapeutic and our religious training both want to take us.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, yeah.
0: Um, and rather than just simply accepting the brokenness of humanity, and the fact that we do um, irrational things for non-rational reasons.
4: Yeah. Right. Yes. And yeah. And why is why is a backwards question too? Mm-hmm. It is. It, it really is. You're looking back, and people's future is out in front of them. So it's you know asking a question that's like, well, and you can't know why. Yeah. I mean, read a book like Job, and what you'll you'll have you'll be forced to admit is that. Most of there's a lot of life we can't know the reasons why, yeah. And so, at demanding an answer to why is in, so, in some ways inferring that there's no healing or there's no future without knowing your past. And that can't be if it is, then we're really trapped. So, asking questions are out in the future, they're like, So, what if this wasn't true? Um, or you know, what if you could, you know, what is your ideal outcome? Or, yeah, uh, when are you going to start? You know, when are you going to start? being on the hook for that, or what part of this has your name on it? Um, What's your contribution? Those are, those are questions that move people, you know, forward. forward. Um, Now
0: this questioning, the way it works, it's not as though you've got, you've got one anointed uh, question asker within the group, right?
4: Absolutely not.
0: Right. Okay.
4: So I think one of the things I've learned from our time up watching you and also my, my regular practice, but it really helped me with, there's a real benefit to just going around and letting each person. So somebody brings an issue or somebody brings something that they want to talk about, then we will, um, I think it's good to just go around the table and let every person ask a question in succession. Yeah. Um, and then if there's a second question somebody has, that's fine. Do that too. But um no, it, it it's a group right the values in the group so
0: i'm liking this i haven't heard about anything quite exactly like it yeah. i love the fact that um and but from what little i know of your guys my memory of that weekend i spent with them i can see i mean um i can see that working really well with your men
4: yeah the, i think it is working um it'll it'll change over time i'm sure but it's yeah. working really well now. I think another thing that the group does really well is, um, and I want to give an example of this. I, I stole this from a comp- from a group of guys called Giant Worldwide. It's a leadership development company. Mm-hmm. And, and if you were drawing a matrix and on your Y matrix, you had uh, support. Mm-hmm. And if you had on your X axis, uh, challenge, right? Right. So our tendency is uh, to either be abdicators, low challenge, low support. Right high challenge to be a dominator, somebody who challenges heavy but doesn't give much support. Yeah. The, th- those two groups of people kind of get a bad rap. They're not nice people. Right. Um, or to be in, in religious circles, or I, I think in our culture in general, to be people that give lots of support, but, uh, but um, low challenge. Yeah. Um, and that's not very helpful either. But if you want to really liberate people, then you want to go with high challenge, high support in very high challenge. So I think that an example of that in our group was, um, <laughs> that makes sense. That's a killer. That's, that's, that's awesome. There's a visual, right? Yeah. So, um, so one of the things that happened in our group one night is somebody was sharing, um, something about their relationship with their wife.
0: Yeah.
4: And they were saying, you know, that they, um, they, they, they were saying that really that they were engaged really with, with their wife. And at some point somebody just said, you know, I don't believe it. mm." So that's that's not common in groups. Yeah. That level of challenge. Right. Um, but how can this guy know that we really love him if somebody doesn't really challenge? Because they're both support and challenge are both in love. And when that happened, actually that was early in the group's history. I thought, oh man, this is this group's gonna go somewhere now. Like Mm -hmm. we've handled the conflict, we've really got real now. This person Mm -hmm. became vulnerable. Shared something real based off an interaction with scripture. Um, and, you know, they didn't just get weenie support. They got like, you know, a right cross. Yeah. And uh, they came back the next week and they said, hey, you were right. I don't, you know, I'm, I'm not really engaged there. And so that was real. Like that set. So there's been a number. We it's not like that every week because life, life isn't always right. this, you know, thing. But that would be false. But when it needs to be, it gets there. Boy, that's beautiful.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, how do you see this impacting the lives of the guys and the life of the church outside of the of the
4: the Fight Club meeting? So I know that the uh, I know that a lot of these guys um, we're not all married, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know in general for the guys that are married, they um, that um, it, that Thursday night at eight PM at at the pub is sort of like a get out of jail free card for them in their marriages. Right. So I. I I know that, you know, it's making a difference in their families and that their wives are like, don't you have someplace you need to go? Nice. You know, yeah, tonight? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's
0: like, like now. <laughs> so the meeting's at a so, pub?
4: Yes. Okay, nice. Why not? Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. So if you think of strategy, like change every story, like change yeah. every element of, of, in a program and come up with a different strategy. So pub is the perfect place, Right. Yeah. Um and we address things like well someone was like, Well, we can't we can't pray. Right, So we made it a group issue. Right? It's yeah. not I'm, it's not for Simon and I are the co-leaders. It wasn't for Simon and I solved it's like, okay, so um if we are gonna pray, how would we pray? Yeah. And the group talked about it. And so now um you know, we we pray out loud, we look each other in the eye when we pray, it's been really powerful. Nice. We pray. Um, if uh, you know, if a couple beers are coming to the table when we're praying, that's okay, too. The folks at uh, the pub where we meet, doesn't bother them. They're yeah. glad to have us there. They're very welcoming. I think that's our story. That's a story that, you know, we can't meet in pubs or that we can't do religious things. Yeah. Um, That's a story.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I know so, it was, yeah. I know we kind of glazed over it, but you said praying together with your eyes open looking at each other. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. That yeah. sounds powerful. That's bizarre,
4: right? Yeah, it's bizarre. i have have a friend named bill whose neck was broken almost more than 20 years ago and Mm -hmm. he still has to use a cane it's Mm -hmm. you know it's been crazy and i remember when he started doing that i was like what are you doing and he he if if he ever felt like overwhelmed he would he just starts praying and he just looks at you while he's praying out loud and so i learned that from him. so we just but but that was a group decision and um even things like, I think that this is one of the reasons I think the group is healthy. It's So one of the problems like, you know, in these groups, So you'll you'll look at groups, and a lot of times the church leaders themselves aren't in it. And so we want, we don't like that because um, mm-hmm. supposedly church should be a place where, you know, I'm in a kind of church where you have elders. We call them elders. Well, I mean, elders are supposed to repent. You know, they're supposed to be chief repenters, Keller says. That means they need to, be able to get a lot of grace, but they don't have where to do it. So, but if you go into a small group, everybody wants you to lead, and so that's not good. So, in our group too, if someone here last, I think this last winter, someone said, "Hey, so let's," um, or the spring, they said, "Let's get a let's get a retreat," you know. And they kind of looked at leaders, and I was like, "Okay, put that together." Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm there. I'm going. I'm all about it. Just, yeah, yeah. It's not me. And I think, and we, and, the, and that, so the group is. When they, so when that happened, it stopped being our, you know, my group or Simon's group. It's our group. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, so that happened. And then, uh, I think that may have come after actually another event, which was at some point, uh, we, we, we partner with, a, uh, by using our church, uh, on Sunday night for, for homeless, homeless folks in the community, especially in the winter. And, um, it was already, somebody said, why don't we do that? And, of course, I was thinking, oh, man, you know, I don't just do it. I'm good any week but Super Bowl week. Like, I, like don't. <laughs> and they said, and, you know, so, of course, this member was thinking, the group was thinking, we have to do it on Super Bowl because what other great man event is there than Super Bowl? Right. So, you know, so when we said, okay, so you want to do it, you want to go as a group and we are going to serve as a group, that makes perfect sense, when they were, he was like, it needs. it has to be on Super Bowl, We have to do the best uh, Boston butt and mac and cheese ever um, because, you know, like he just ramped it up. And, uh, you know, but that's the group's decision. So that's awesome. We do that.
0: Mm. Now, one of the things I do appreciate, Kurt, is that when you and I uh, first talked about you coming on, uh, you said, well, maybe let me talk to the group. And mm-hmm. see if the, see if the group's okay wow. with me talking about
1: it. Wow, that's cool.
0: And uh, and you got permission from your brothers before you agreed to do an interview.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's it's their group.
0: Yeah. That's awesome, man. I love that's it. Awesome. Yeah. Well, um, my hope from our conversation here, Kurt, is that the guys who are listening, the. Uh, the thousands of guys out there who listen to this podcast will uh, be inspired to look at what they're doing in their church relationships and reevaluate how much of this is actually a story that we're telling ourselves that isn't true. Mm. How much can be, what can we mix up? What can we change? What can we challenge? How can we go deeper? Um,
4: we so want to give you some practical yeah we do this will be really this is going to be really tactical right yeah so here's what happens so I co-lead the group with a friend named Simon Simon Lee so our we we do do something so one of the things we do is we uh we we be, we create the questions that we're going to the main questions we're going to ask ahead of time now those can get completely. Thrown out the window. If someone comes in and shares something during the significant events portion of the meeting that seems more important, right? We're, those are. That's just a starting point. Okay. So that, that's the piece that we do. We come. We start at eight o'clock because guys with kids, they need kids. That are, they, their kids have to be done. Yeah. When we start on time. We end on time, always. Okay. okay. So we start at eight. We end at nine thirty. Um, if you want to stay until ten, great. You want to leave at eight nine thirty one. You leave at nine thirty one. That's how that works. So we start in summertime. We always start um, with a, a prayer, and then um, beers start coming and, um, and eats and whatever else goes with that. And then we go around, and a little bit different than how you did our group, Nate, on the, on the, when we were together, because yeah. we're going to be sharing on a lot for a longer period of time, we'll do a timed, sh- we call a significant event. So yeah. the question just is, what was the most significant thing that happened in your life this year? this week okay um not not i'm going to go on vacation next week that's if you're like what was significant this week yeah and each person shares what they we just go around in a factor all the way around the table um then you know it, during that time somebody may share something that's significant and we may decide we want to talk about that yeah or we may move right on to the questions that we have and the questions have been formed out of some content that we're reading together uh, typically we just read the bible like yeah. we don't read other people's books, Um, and um, they're typically only three or four. They're big questions. They're open-ended. They're designed to create discussion, and then during the discussion, um, if um, somebody's probably going to share something in their interaction with it that's, you know, one time somebody, we were talking about kids, and someone said, you know, from the reading, what I realized is I've just been, um, been very cavalier in my relationship with my kids. So we ask for permission. Would you like to talk more with the group about that? Oh you know who can say no to that? And so then we'll use the time to uh, ask questions, pray, get in see what insights come nice and then we'll move to the next question and then when we run out of time, we run out of time but we don't like it, it it's sculpted, but it's not too sculpted, right? Yeah, right. That's the time. So it. we have scripture, we have prayer, we are interacting with it, but the focus is not on, there's no teaching time. Yes.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Boy, I really like the sound of that. A lot. A lot. Um, yeah, so I'd like you to end this way. Uh, imagine that you're talking to uh, another guy out there who's, he's just... He shut everything down. as He's listening to this interview because it's ringing some bells with him, and he's starting to feel like uh, this is a this is a God thing. This is a, a direction he needs to move and take some leadership in or some initiative in. What wor- what uh, what words of encouragement uh, and counsel would you give to that guy as as we uh, approach the end of this interview?
4: Um, do it for yourself. Ah. Ah. Do the most selfish thing possible. Yeah. So I'm pretty convinced that you could exist like your whole life in a religious or faith community, Christian community and, and never get, never be free. Mm. And so, so you want this, so do it. I mean, if, and change the rules, um, tell people you don't know what you're doing, but just go with, Go with questions. Go with real, um, and do it for yourself. U- ultimately, what's, what, why this? Why I, I'm loving this, and I know that the guys in other groups, that are in other groups, feel the same way. It's like it is so hard to find a safe place for any man to to live open, to live openly. Yeah. Um, but even more so for for leaders. And so um, mm. you're you're not going to make it. You're not. Yeah. We need help we need help there's um yeah we need a kind of powerlessness to to get over our addiction so so it's a great place to be powerless and to get, get to get the freedom you want
0: well i can't thank you enough kurt this has been uh, a, a wonderful conversation please convey our thanks to your brothers Absolutely. in the group uh, mm-hmm. for their willingness to share their experience
4: strength and hope with us Mm -hmm. We'll do that. They're excited and um, keep on the good work yourself.
0: All right. Look forward to seeing you again someday down there in Charlotte at Warehouse 248. Thanks, guys. Okay. Bye-bye. I reach out to my brother. I will take. His outstretched hand If I'm to travel much
3: further In a dark and dreary
0: land I will need to recover My strength to stay
1: Welcome back. Was that not an amazingly fun interview to do with Kurt? I know I really enjoyed it. I hope you all enjoyed listening to it. All right. That's all the time we have for today. (laughs) But if you would like to send us, (laughs) all right, what are you, you're messing me up. You're messing my mojo up, dude.
0: Oh, come on.
1: I I I was sad.
0: I was sad that you were not here for the interview. Uh, because I did, I we had pretty much a straight ahead conversation, and it was good. It was great, but I, I missed Aaron plowing in from left field with some just, you know, whacked question that would take uh, <sighs> take the conversation in a strange direction.
1: So Is that maybe my function?
0: maybe we'll get him back in the future, uh, Aaron, and you can participate.
1: <laughs> well, in the meantime, we need some more letters. We want some more letters. We desire it and hope for it often throughout our weeks. So if you would be so kind as to share your thoughts, questions, stories, write to us at
0: Samson Podcast at gmail dot com. Or pirate pirate monk, pirate monk podcast at gmail dot com. They both
1: have Okay, all right. Hey hey friends out in podcast land. Let me have a quick conversation with you without the guys listening. Why do they always give you two Gmail accounts? (laughs) It only makes you forget both of them. Wouldn't just giving you one be the most effective way? I wonder this every time. (laughs) If you have an answer, please email us at...
2: (laughs) PirateMonkPodcast at gmail.com Or SamsonPodcast at (laughs) (laughs) gmail.com
0: All right, till next time, I'm Nate. I'm Newton. Aaron. Okay, and over here, Ken. Ken. All right, we'll see. Well, we'll see you next week on the Pirate Month, or next month, or next year, sometime on the Pirate (laughs) Month podcast.